Cajun pumps it toward the net, it bounces wide. The Peets try and jam it up, Cowan digs it free, the Peets will clear to center. 12 seconds remaining, the Knights turning. A last gasp, in comes Winterton, a snapshot turned aside. Michael Simpson makes the save. Three seconds remaining. Here is Mayu shot. his stick breaks. And the Peterborough Peets have won the 2023 OHL Championship. That is how game six, and that is how the 2022-2023 season ended. Welcome to episode 59 of the night shift. Mike Stubbs, Kyle Grimard, Jim Van Horn, as we get an opportunity to reflect back on a season that had such difficulty to it and at the same time such success to it. The 2022-2023 London Knights. Gentlemen, this is a pretty amazing year from a lot of different reasons, a pretty unique year for a lot of different reasons. Let's begin by looking back over how it began and certainly how it ended. If we look at the series against the Peterborough Peets, the Peterborough Peets just kept finding a way. And Jim, that Peterborough Memorial Center, for whatever reason, there wasn't a win to be had by the London Knights in every game that they played there this year. Yep, that's right. One in the regular season, three in the playoffs. And Sean McGurn, yeah, said uh, we had had to win one here and we couldn't get it done. The final is going to be tight. It's coin flip. It's it's hard to beat them in their barn and uh, they played well, so congrats to them. It's partly the building, but also uh, I, I felt the Peterborough, some of that old style Peterborough community magic kind of in this series. Um they are a junior hockey center and uh you know you go back and and while it's been a few years admittedly there's still something that happens in peterborough when they get a sniff at these they've got 10 of these uh j ross robertson uh trophies and even though uh again it's been a while there was uh kind of that all for one thing rob wilson the coach uh experienced one as a player and i think he kind of fed off that the whole community was right into it and uh there it's something maybe i guess uh the knights have too uh but um i was very impressed with the whole peterborough junior hockey uh community the pete's uh kind of mentality that they bring to games i mean you know it was it was really impressive i give them a lot of credit full credit to them Kyle, we saw an awful lot of amazing performances throughout the season in the playoffs. If there is a what if, is it Brett Brochu and what if he was playing? And not because of anything that was done by Zach Bowen or anything that was done by Owen Wilmore, but if there was a playoff MVP through two rounds, a game, and a period and a bit, wasn't it Brett Brochu? I, it had to have been, and you know, it's easy to do the what ifs or what could have been and everything like that. But listen, he was 10, he was nine and one would have been 10 and one. The game that he exited with in the postseason with a 1.48 goals against average in a nine forty three save percentage. And it's not just the stats alone. It's the mental understanding of, Oh, if you've got to beat the London Knights right now, 
you need to score more than two goals on Brett Bro's shoe, or you got to be lucky. And in the 1.4, what was it? 1.48 goals against average. You got to hope that you get two by him and then simultaneously not give up more than two, because that's the way it was for the Knights when Brett Brochu was in that. If you, if the Knights got the three goals, that was it. And that, and that's a big mental hurdle for any team to have to overcome. He was as intense as I think I've ever seen him. I've ever seen him in the playoffs or in any game as a member of the London Knights. He was dialed in, locked in. And unfortunately, the lower body injury takes him out against Sarnia. Zach Bowen does a fantastic job of closing that series out. He has a great game one against the Peets. They go to Owen Wilmore for games three and four. And listen, Owen Wilmore, what a great story. Comes in and all he does is give up three goals in two games. One of them a, a deciding factor. But it was really, it was really fun. It was really nice to see that balance back and forth and that team come together, regardless of who is in net. But it's, you know, you never like to do the what ifs game, but there is that sense of if you've got that guy in net and number 30, who knows, maybe things are a little different, but you know, for me, it's, it's the easiest factor to look to is if 30s in net, maybe it's a different series. Knights sweep Owen sound in the playoffs. They defeat the Kitchener Rangers in five games, vanquishing the team that had upset them a year earlier. They beat the Sarnia Sting, the best team in the regular season from the trade deadline on. And then they go up against a Peterborough Pete's squad that's, you know, a series that was not going to back down either way. And the Knights, as you just heard the few seconds toward the end of that game six, did not back down in any way. The puck just would not go behind Londoner Michael Simpson. Congratulations to him, named Playoff MVP. Gentlemen, let's look back over some memorable moments because we have to remember the season started 0-3-1. and 0-3-1. And, and the puck was not going in the net. And people in London were instantly starting to wonder what's happening. The Knights acquired George Diaco. That gave them a boost. They started to go 4-1-1, one, and one, but in there, there was still a 7-2 loss in Owen Sound on October 19th. But then, I think the game we've gone back to so many different times, it happened back in Owen Sound on November the 5th, where the Knights won 4-1. There was the famed shorthanded goal scored by Max McHugh, where Sean McGurn executed a perfect pad pass, knocking the puck off the pads of the goaltender right to Max McHugh. He had a big empty net, and the Knights ended up with a victory. And Jim Van Horn, on that night, did we not get our first glimpse of how special this team could be? I think so, yeah, um, because naturally – Every year is different. Those questions that you just uh, referenced were kind of creeping in. Was there going to be enough goal scoring? And Diaco uh, made a difference. And I think uh, mostly kind of taking that um, bit of pressure off Barky and uh, Cow and Barky more, most notably, just as far as who's the go-to people offensively. And Diaco came in with a bit of that veteran, well, the experience, right? The championship experience, the offensive ability. And all of a sudden, the goal started coming then Logan Mayu hit his stride and that helped to sort of uh, generate some offense from, uh, from the back end. And, and then we saw a team that was uh, of course uh, implementing the London night way. You're going to be solid defensively. You had Brett Brochu. And then what was it? They rung off. Uh, I think from that night, it was 22 out of 23 or 
something along 21 out of 23, something like that. Yep. So the system works, the belief and the faith in the, uh, in the way that the Knights do things and then plugging in the personnel to kind of take the team to that next level and uh, f- faith and belief in, in what they do. And, and, and really you saw that in spades and, you know, this year kind of embodied uh, every way the Knights have to solve an issue. Uh, they just, they attacked it and just that, that, that uh, the way they solve their problems, uh, whatever they may be, um, you saw it. Uh, it was all together. I mean, including the tragic uh, loss of a teammate, which, you know, just never expected and uh, uh bless his family, uh, but everything just seemed to happen. All, the volume was turned up to 11, as they say, uh, on on the nights this year. And uh, they came through and had, in the end, a really successful season, one of their most eventful and one of their best. Well, they kept themselves supported throughout the organization through the passing of Abakar Kazbekov, and it was something they had to deal with as a team. And in a way, it helped to galvanize this team. And this team was as close as any team could be because it was as close as a team had to be in order to deal with what they had to deal with. When we look at some of the big performances this year, we've talked about Brett Brochu. We can look at Sean McGurn, 83 points. Logan Mayu, 25 goals. Let's maybe pause on some of those veteran performances, Kyle, and what we did see from a co-captain like Sean McGurn, who really took some of that scoring that had disappeared from Luke Evangelista and Tonio Strangis, and he put it squarely on his own shoulders and got things done again and again and again. Well, yeah, and you know, on on case of that too, it's not like Sean McGurn just randomly woke up and and started scoring. We have to remember last year, yes, playing with Evangelista and Strongest, he had 20 goals and 53 assists. He had 73 points in 66 games. This year, he takes on the co-captain role. He, he he's taking way more face-offs. He's involved significantly more. And all he does is then add on to his goal total and his assist total from last year with two guys. One of them played NHL games in Evangelista and Antonio Stranges, who is a incredibly highly skilled player. He takes the benefit of playing with those two. He's playing with different line mates, different teammates. He scores seven more goals this year in 27 has 56 assists and now 83 points in 67 games. And the biggest difference that I saw in this one, gentlemen, Last year in the playoffs, of course, the Knights only played seven games. Sean McGurn in those seven games had a goal and three assists. Well, they played 21 games this year. Sean McGurn had 26 points in the playoffs. So it wasn't just regular season and then he quieted down postseason. He almost elevated his game to another level in the postseason. He had points in, I believe, the first 15 or 16 games to start the playoffs as well. And he was just an embodiment of what it meant to be a lot. He is good in every facet of the game. He's strong on the puck. He's physical. He's hardworking, determined, passionate, can score, can pass. He plays defense, penalty kill. He did literally everything the London Knights asked him. And I think he was rewarded in the best way and showed why he was one of the guys to be counted on this year. We saw improvements throughout the roster, you could grab a player and to look at where he was at the beginning of the year and where he was at the end of the year, 
you could take just about anybody and you could tell a story that way. Jim, the rise of Logan Mayu, he scores 25 goals. He was great at the start of the year. What would you say he was like by the time this all finished? Well, you just can't get him off the ice. He just, you know, he, uh, he was a presence. Um, he was a leader defensively. He really made strides, I thought. And just uh, from the standpoint of Logan, Logan Mayu, getting reps, as they say. It's a cliche in sports, but uh, what it means is that kind of uh, experience, experiential learning, right? You have to get the games in. And he finally got a year where he got the minutes, he got the games in, and look how far he came um, you know, with the uh, boomer shot from the point, but also kind of thrown in a wrinkle. He didn't always have to take the slap shot. He learned to change an angle, uh, get a, a quick release away. That uh, created some goals uh, in the defensive zone. Certainly uh, that balance between physicality, not taking penalties and uh, being, you know, that presence back there. I mean, he, uh, he, he showed why uh, the Montreal Canadiens in the face of what they were looking at uh, still said, no, we're taking you, we're taking you in the first round. And, uh, and now I think they're pretty happy that they did. I just think that, um, you know, he was everything that uh, they thought he would be when uh, they drafted him out of the, uh, out of the Marlies and just, it's finally getting that experience in terms of minutes and you saw exactly what uh, what kind of player he can be. But I, I think, uh, you know, I'm going to go another way here, too, just overall uh, on the personnel side. I mean, the Knights were two wins away from getting to the Memorial Cup at the same time, uh, developing Sam Dickinson, one of the top players in the draft last year, and also um, getting William Moore as a draft pick. So on the personnel side, not only did they go far, uh, but they set themselves up for a pretty good future. And the other uh, player to throw in there, Mike, to your in your category of uh, from the start of the year to the end of the year, Easton Cowan, who went probably from being uh, maybe not on an NHL team, many NHL teams maybe wouldn't even have had him on a list. And now he's, uh, if he doesn't go in the second round, I'll be shocked. Maybe even late first, who knows? But uh, the development of that young man just in a, um, you know, the London Knights way, just that uh, gritty uh, perseverance and the skills really came on. He's starting to grow. Uh, that's a great example of uh, what the Knights do quite well in, in bringing players like that along. Well, we run into a lot of scouts during the year and the volume of Easton Cowan talk as the year went along was quite something. And now the NHL entry draft has Oliver Bonk, has Denver Barkey as we look toward the end of June and Nashville, Tennessee. Denver Barkey, a tremendous year as a 17-year-old. Kyle, remembering that Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey were 17 and then teamed with a guy who we have to mention in Ryan Winterton and all that he did in coming over with Ryan Humphrey, the kind of performers they were, the playoff performers. Kyle, give us a thought on the Twinterton line. It was still one of the best named lines we've had in London in a while. And Ryan Humphrey. Gosh, were they ever, they, did they ever explode onto the scene? We knew they were good players in their rookie years, but you know, they really embraced the roles of stepping up and being guys that, 
this team can rely upon. And you look at Denver Bark and Easton Cowan over the course of the year, they're going into their draft eligible year this year. And they both put up career highs in, in points this year, Easton Cowan, you know, alone just had himself an amazing season. He was scoring big goals for this team left, right. And so there's a 20 goal score on the London Knights this year. He had 53 points on the year, but you know, Denver Barkey was really turning heads. He is so special in what he can do with the puck. He's an incredible, you know, assist um, man. He can dish it like no other. And then he also reached the 20 goal mark. He had 22 goals this season and 59 points. And, they just elevated come postseason where Denver Barkey was under a point per game in the regular season with 59 and 61. He had 24 points in 20 games in the postseason. So he really exploded. And Easton Cowan was the exact same 21 points in 20 games in the playoffs. And then Ryan Winterton, what else can you say about him? He was acquired halfway through the year, hadn't played a game all year, was coming off of an injury. He's thrust into a team in a lineup that is already, I believe this was in the midst of their 21 and 23 gym, as you were saying, and he has to come on. Yeah. He's got to get his legs back up with him and grow onto the team and find a role and find a fit because guys were already developing chemistry with one another and they were developing what lines were going to be dictated moving forward. And he was able to kind of figure that out. The Twinterton line is born and Ryan Winterton in his you know, this past season finishes the year with 36 points in 34 games and then explodes into the playoffs with 29 points in 21 games, 13 goals. He had a goal in I think nine straight games in the playoffs too. He was just absurdly important for this team. Ryan Humphrey, of course, physical. He had double digit goals in the playoffs as well. Some big ones, the OT winner against Owen Sound in the second round on the road with the Bayshore bounce. I mean, you could just go over so many moments with this team. Ryan Humphrey's going to be famous for that clip with uh, the gentleman in the penalty box that went viral afterwards, which they were arguing. And then after the whistle, they were all buddy, buddy. So just it, there's so many important moments and, and great situations that these guys were able to develop and grow within this team. And they embodied again, what being a London night meant. And it was, it was a pleasure to watch them. Well, here is London Knights assistant coach, Rick Stedman shortly after the loss in game six, recapping some of what he saw from the London Knights in 2022-2023. It was a pleasure. I mean, uh, they put their heart on their sleeve out there. They they did everything they could. And it's just one of those things that's hard when it comes down to that last shot, that, that one last tip. And, and they just did everything they could to get where they where we had to be. And uh, it's just one of those things. It's You battle hard and sometimes it just bounce your way. When you look at this game tonight, how do you, how do you explain it to the guys? How do you explain it away? I mean, I... It's just one of those things you're going to always look back and, and dwell on the bad things that happened. Uh, but uh, you just got to try to look at the positives. Uh, we had guys that stepped up all over the place, uh, whether overagers or uh, young kids. So it's just you take the good things out of it, you, you try to build on, and you just never want to feel like this again. So you just make sure next year uh, you remember this feeling. So when it comes up again, you, you do that one extra little thing you need to do. That is London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman. Gentlemen, let's look ahead because really – there are only potentially five or six graduates on this team. The overage players, Brett Brochu, and the co-captain, Sean McGurn and George Diaco. Ryan Winterton will be in the Seattle Kraken organization. Logan Mayhew will be in the Montreal Canadiens organization. Max McHugh is a draft pick of the San Jose Sharks. 
So we'll see where it is that Max McHugh plays next year. He could still return. Then you've got Connor Federkow, Ethan McKinnon, and Ryan Humphrey, who are all 2003-born players who would be overagers next year. They could still sign contracts somewhere in the offseason. But that's it. And then you bring in Sam O'Reilly. You bring in Will Nickel. You bring in Alexei Medvedev. We're not sure about other draft picks that will be on the way. Mike Levin certainly showed some flashes when he was called up this year. Windsor, Kitchener, and Sarnia will definitely take a step back. Saginaw becomes the measuring stick. It also becomes the goal. They are hosting the 2024 Memorial Cup Tournament. Jim and Kyle, let's just get a thought on where you see these team or this team going in the future based on the number of players coming back. Six out of seven defensemen, Jim. Yeah, the, the defensively, yeah, they'll be fine. Um, obviously, when you have uh, one of the top uh, teams in the league and you return almost everybody, your expectations uh, should be and will be you know, to be competitive again, really competitive. So, yeah, and those guys, uh, those rocks of the 04 draft year uh, where they kind of really got affected most by COVID year, Isaiah George, Jackson, Edward uh, combination, they uh, they will be outstanding players for sure. And then uh, the development of Sam Dickinson is, uh, you know, it's the sky is the limit on him. And I think he will take a big jump next year to one of the top players in the league. Oliver Bonk, same thing. So there's uh, there's a, a, a foundation for sure. Um, so we'll see. You know, I mean, the Knights always uh, really depend on, uh, you know, you can talk about it, but do it. And I think that will happen, of course, with, uh, uh, you know, the consistency of the message in terms of coaching. On the personnel side, uh, you know, you may even see a few uh, surprises. But I think um, the, the uh, core is there to be, absolutely competitive with um, Barky and Cowan will be, you know, stars in the league. I mean, I think, you know, Barky may get a hundred points next year. I I do believe that he's that good offensively. And so, yeah, the foundation is all there, but the great, great thing always about the Knights is don't tell me, show me. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that is uh, always uh, the way. And uh, while everything on paper looks great, I think, you'll see a plan executed on the ice uh, starting in, in camp next year. That'll, that'll put them right kind of there knocking on the door again. That's just the way um, that they built this team. And you're right. The, the other competition in the league, you know, when you look at uh, kind of the move on uh, the moves uh, at the deadline, I'd love to see an ESPN uh, thing on the trade deadline, OHL and, getting Winterton and the right negotiations and uh, Shane Wright and all of that, that goes down. And uh, you know, the Knights uh, certainly had a, that was a shrewd move and Winterton who hadn't played um, was injured. You know, you have to make sure the medicals are there, but that, that would have been just a fascinating uh, inside uh, hockey kind of uh, episode, wouldn't it? But uh, the Knights always figure it out on, on the personnel side. They just seem to be able to uh, do that. Matthew Paris, is another name I'd throw in there that may, uh, you know, he's he's going to get a crack next year. Had uh, just working behind the scenes, Alec uh, 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 Leonard, Alec Leonard is going to be there as well. So they'll have some pieces, and um, you know, I think more of the same. Um, I really believe that they'll be knocking on the door again, and uh, who knows? Um, and and they'll make some adjustments along the way too. Kyle, closing thoughts on 
Well, just it, it was, you know, never the way you want to end a season, but, you know, incredibly proud and, and honored to watch this team go as far as they did with all the hiccups, with all the battles. I, I do want to give a shout out, um, not a shout out. I want to give, um, you know, just a, a, a moment here to, of course, the the passing of Abakar Kazbekov and what that did to the community, what that did to the organization, what that did to everybody moving forward. Um, I don't know about you gentlemen, but that hit me a lot harder um, than I was expecting it to. And, and I, I expected to be hit hard by it and seeing the way this team came together and really rallied and played for not only him, but his family and what the team did outside of it as well. I thought that was a really big moment. I feel like every night, you know, they, they played for number 15 and that's going to be hopefully etched on the jerseys for as long as, as long as it can be within the ice as well. And that was a big moment. Um, Sam Dickinson, I don't think I've seen a 16-year-old gentleman um, impact the way that he any 16-year-old has impacted, especially on defense. And just a lot of this core is coming back next year. So that will be a lot of fun to see. A lot of very familiar names coming back. And there's not going to be a crazy amount of turnover, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of names returning in a very, very bright next couple of years for this team. The Knights handed out their awards on Tuesday afternoon. And here is the way that those awards went. The Peter Girton Long Shot Award always goes to somebody who wasn't a first-round pick, wasn't a second-round pick, someone who had to overcome something to make the team. Peter Girton was a scout for the London Knights and always prided himself on being able to find those later-round picks. And this year, the award went to Zach Bowen. 17 wins and four losses in the regular season – 15 consecutive wins, one shy of Matthew Villalta's all-time record for rookie goaltenders. And then most improved player, that went to Denver Barkey, who had 15 points as a rookie, and then bumped that up, rocketed it up to 59 points in 2022-2023. The Abakar Kazbekov Hardest Working Player Memorial Award went to Easton Cowan. The Knights dedicated the Hardest Working Player Award to Abakar Kazbekov because he was that, the hardest working, always gave 110%. And Easton Cowan embodied exactly what it takes in order to be working and doing and accomplishing on the ice every single second that you are out there. The Coulter's three-star cup went to George Diaco, he had multiple first-star performances, had highlight reel goals, overtime winners. The player's player is voted on by the players, and it went to Sean McGurn, who embodies the team motto, hopeful and humble. That is the Knights' team motto, hopeful and humble. The best defensive forward award went to Ryan Winterton. He, of course, did everything on the ice. You needed him to score, he would, but so responsible defensively, creates turnovers, does the things that help you win. The rookie of the year, that went to Oliver Bonk, a 40-point rookie season, a plus 16, playing big minutes against big-time opponents. The best defenseman, 25 goals, key part of the power play, and a presence logging all kinds of minutes, Logan Mayu. Knight fan favorite is voted on by Knights fans, and it went to Brett Brochu, one of the greatest Knights goaltenders of all time, second in goaltender wins all time. 
the Scholastic Player of the Year with a 92.6% average in grade 12. He had four classes that were at least 94%. Denver Barkey, congratulations to Denver Barkey. The Don Brankley Community Service Award, this is someone who is just outstanding in the community, going to the children's hospital, going to community events, hockey gives blood, taking time for kids. He used to come and watch the Knights as one of those kids, George Diaco. Leading scorer, 83 points on the season, improving by a few, by 10 improving by 10 points over his last year totals and had 26 more points in 21 playoff games. Sean McGurn, Sportsmanship and Ability Award. Displaying high character, hockey IQ, tremendous skill. He was voted the best shootout shooter in the 2023 coaches poll. He had that move. Always worked. George Diaco. The Intensity Award. This is the one where you want to lead by example. It went to Brett Brochu. Playoff performer, 29 points in 21 games. The lead all scorers, Ryan Winterton. The Hart Trophy. This is embodying what it takes to be a London Knight. Be the teammate, block the shots, stick up for your teammates, play the right way. Ethan McKinnon. The team MVP, there were co-MVPs this year, Sean McGurn and Logan Mayu for all that they did in helping the London Knights to succeed in 2022-2023. Those are the award winners. We want to thank everybody for all of your support on the night shift throughout this season. We'll have episodes during the summer. We'll have episodes in and around the NHL entry draft or whenever there is night's news. You can't end on 59. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it has to be a decimal system number. You know. That's right. We'll find a number 60, <laughs> 60. episode 60 for sure. So we will have all kinds of different updates throughout the year. You can also follow the Knights at globalnews.ca. Thank you for all of your support this year, gentlemen. Remember, you can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can find Kyle at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. You can find Jim Van Horn at JCVH60. And you can find me at Stubbs980. Thank you for finding the London Knights on 980 CFPL a year to be proud of in 2022-2023.